Brilliant Misfits, episode 33. No matter what, whoever we are, what I'm saying is that I agree 200% with you that the skills and even sometimes our weaknesses, they come through when we, we continually recall them and refine them. Hello and welcome to Brilliant Misfits, talks with women who are the renegades, the creatives, the entrepreneurs, the artists who didn't fit in and how they've turned it around by courageously following the beat of their own heart. We'll be discussing all things creative, mindful, and artful to inspire you to do it your way and be brilliant with your host, Aisha Kennedy. Welcome everyone to Brilliant Misfits, another episode with another amazing brilliant misfit, Kate Cazzoni. But before I introduce you to her, I just want to say I totally appreciate you tuning in every week and listening to these inspiring, encouraging stories. I hope you're really getting something out of it to really stay on your path, be true to who you are, find your own unique way to be in the world because that's what's needed. And these women are doing that. They've been misfit. They haven't belonged. They felt really out of place, but they've That's been a gift that has helped all of us find a different way of being in the world, and that's what's needed. And so I encourage you to do the same and keep tuning in to listening to their tips and tools and their sage advice to help you along your own path. And right now I'm going to introduce you, I'm very excited, to my guest today, Kate Cazzoni. Now Kate is um, a meditator, really, and she's a partner in a mixed cultural marriage. And we were talking a little bit before the show, and what's really important to her is family, family connection, expression, children, spirituality. She's had such an amazing, diverse life, and I can't wait to talk to her and share her story with you. So welcome to the program, Kate. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Aisha. Lovely. Yeah. Yes. I'm very excited to be here also, (laughs) and it's a lovely opportunity. Thank you. So welcome. Now, you have had a very diverse life, and um, I want to just explore that a little bit with you. Like in your background, you've, you've traveled to a lot of countries. Now, how did that come about? Well, when I was at university, when I, in my 20s, I had this, um, very strong feeling to to do something significant in the world. And um, at that time, I happened across Ananda Marga, which is a yoga and meditation group, and it did significant amounts of social service around the world. So I signed up, so to speak, and um, through the meditation practices um, and the lifestyle, I I felt that it, it was so significant um, a change for me from being a student and an artist um, in Sydney, painting murals and uh, living that life that I was li- living, um, to feel that there was really deeply connect in a spiritual way with some something that felt very um, huge and that felt that it was guiding me or uh, showing me that the world was connected in a much deeper way than what I'd experienced previously, I decided to become a um, a yoga meditation teacher, a sannyasi for that organization. And then I set off around the world doing social service for the next 20, 25 years. Mm. And was your family growing up, were they spiritually oriented or is that just something that you came through with? Because I know in my own life, I'm very 
spiritual. Since I was a child, I was curious about all sorts of things that really um, we can label as spiritual, and yet my family wasn't inclined that way, and neither are my siblings. So I'm just curious about you in that regard. Um, I think the the difficulty for me now, even still having been involved for so many years and way back then, was finding the correct modality. And um, it just feels that each time that I explore, I was brought up with a Roman Catholic background. Both my parents came from Catholic um, parents. So I had Catholic grandparents and uh, Catholic parents and all our relatives were Catholics. And all our neighbours were Catholics, so I was very much um, involved in that Catholic primary school and Catholic secondary school. And although I loved the mystical aspect behind Catholicism, um, the structures and the rituals around it didn't, it just didn't fit. And um, even today now I find that in spiritual groups and organizations, I still struggle with the, uh, the dogma that, that can come through when we become ritualized and then the deeper significance, which is the feeling that there's a loving universe surrounding me um, and that it's, like, it's got its plan for me despite the, the practices or the rituals or the requirements of the of the modality that it sits inside of. So my parents had that, you know, they take us to church every Sunday. But when I was at church, I mean, it, it varied from me being really naughty with my sisters and sneaking each other lollies at the back seat <laughs> during the church services. To me, I remember one time sitting at, at a service and just sitting there and looking up at the altar and I suddenly felt that behind the priest there was this huge amount of light and love that was just enveloping the whole congregation. And I felt that he wasn't aware of that. Or if he was, he wasn't referring to that or giving us any indication that he could see and feel what I was seeing and feeling. So I had a, you know, I had those sort of almost out-of-body experiences as a child where I went, but hang on a second, um, there's the lip service for this, but how come people aren't getting blissed out like I am? So <laughs> I found that quite um, difficult as a child mm. yeah mm. yeah I can relate to that too and it's true I mean underneath all the sort of uh, religions is a, a core essence of of love an incredible unconditional love and it's funny how there are a lot of trappings that um, will make us feel like we don't fit into a particular you know branch of this or that and um, mm. and just going a little bit deeper mm. so Yes, yeah, so then you traveled around the world and um, you also mentioned that you've always been interested in helping children. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the work that I did for the first 10, 15 years of my life as a, as a sannyasi um, was in school, so, and particularly kindergartens. So I found myself in the east end of London running um, a kindergarten and a, and a primary school there in Hackney, that was really amazing, with a tremendous cross-culture of, of um, not just races but also religions. We had oh, Buddhists and then Muslims and Hindus and, oh, it was so exciting, um, all, all coming into this particular school because a lot of parents in that area at the time were looking for something with a spiritual basis that was a bit more universal than, the, um, than what was going on around, around them. 
Um, but somehow also, I was in a, a road called Kazanov Road in Stoke Newington, and there was five schools in that road, and they were five different religions plus the state school. And we all got on quite well. It was beautiful. There was the Jewish one and the, and the Muslim one, and the and it was just beautiful. And our Anandamaga school that taught yoga and meditation. But when it came time to helping or understanding the needs of the children, we all seemed to come together at festivals or whatever and, and supported each other. So I think children create a really beautiful universal board for us all to bond and connect inside of. Mm, that's beautiful. That, mm. Thank you for sharing that. And, and mm. it's true, children don't have that sort of um, separatist outlook you know they see everybody and as like a potential friend and you know they they don't really care about anything of the background they just want mm. to have fun and and appreciate each other and mm. so it sounds like this experience you had has really given you an appreciation for diversity mm, very much so after England I then went and worked in Japan and Mongolia in beautiful projects there especially the Mongolian children's home and the Lotus Children's Home, um, that was run again by another nun, and she'd, she'd collected little children from the manholes um, in Mongolia where, uh, where many children were living under, under the snow. And um, she had little babies dropped off at the doorstep while I was there, and she started a, a little nursery section, which has grown from originally 16 children now to oh, 250 children I think she cares for plus she started a primary and a secondary school to educate them all. This is over 20 years. Mm. Um, so I have seen, uh, and then in Africa, working in Congo, um, and seeing children after the wars there. Yes, I, I have seen amazing adaptation and resilience and stories that not only wrenched my heart but also um, gave me tremendous courage, I think, and and faith or trust in human human nature mm. how how tremendously powerful we are um in the face of real adversity yeah wow that's a, that's a really beautiful statement kate and um your experiences feel very you know really touch me deeply because um you know there's a lot going on in the world today and I feel that the appreciation of diversity is so important and I'd like to even look at that even deeper and 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 have your um, take on how we can bring that back into our lives, how we can bring diversity and really appreciate the multicultural um you know places that we live in because nothing is nothing is just one you know race or one kind of person i mean we live with multicultural um everywhere and mm. i don't think it's really given the depth of appreciation for the gifts that it gives us can mm. you talk a little bit about that from your own experience mm. I'd love to talk about that. Thanks, Aisha. Um, I think I'll go backwards in time and then bring us up to now. Mm. Or perhaps I'll just start with now and then I'll go back a bit. Um, I live now in Queensland in the Sunshine Coast hinterland with my husband who's from West Africa and we have a beautiful 12-year-old daughter who's um, mixed race. Uh, her dad's black, black West African um, and a French speaker and I'm Australian, Irish, Catholic, English speaker. <laughs> so <laughs> we come from two... Very diverse backgrounds, and um, 
his religious background also is interesting. His parents started as Christians in West Africa and then his father became a Muslim and um, he's got 14 brothers and sisters who are a mixture because he became also involved in meditation and yoga through Ananda Marga. So he's got <laughs> this tremendous amount of different diversity in his family of Christians, Muslims and meditators and they all <laughs> come together at Christmas, you know, with all their children and everything and and work out their celebrations. It's just beautiful. It sounds so, fantastic. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> so um, that's our current situation. And what we've found as a language for us is, is gardening. And it's around our food and our lifestyle choices, not just around, you know, meditation and yoga, but it really is the way that we live our life as eaters. And this is the diversity that I found amazing living in the different cultures was the fascination that I had and other travelers had for the food in Japan, the food in Mongolia, the food in West Africa. I, one of the talking points whenever I would get into um, a discussion that, um, that, that was, you know, prior to, to spirituality if it was around culture, the two topics were language and how many languages could we all speak. But then beyond that was food and what foods did, did we each like from these different cultures. And what I, what I noticed in my life now is that my husband grew up in a culture where every child knows how to garden. They, when I lived in West Africa and I went to the villages, every child understands what it means to go off into the fields and work on your on the back of your mother or next to your mother or eventually being the one to support your mother while she sits under the tree and you do the gardening for her as she ages. And it's not a problem for any of them. And what I saw when we came back to Australia was that immediately my husband attracted friends. He created friendships around gardening and the beauty was that I could see was that he invited children and very quickly connected with the wonder that children have of nature. He very quickly did that through gardening. So he and I started children's gardens, community gardens um, around Melania, and now we're working on reaching a, a, a larger audience through, um, through a series of films and online education to do with children's gardening. Um, and I'm very excited about that because I feel like his culture and his deep knowledge and connection with nature is being brought through into an environment that really sorely needs this kind of education. Um, so that's the space that I'm, I'm in around diversity and bridging that diversity. Yeah, and not only education, but I think um – you know, it sounds wonderful what he's created, but it it's more than education because it also brings in connection. And I think in this day and age, connection can be so broken down. And um, for children to just be able to connect with nature, you know, get off of the digital devices and the television or whatever, and really go back to that connection with nature, which is so nourishing and really reflects the essence of who they are. I think it's incredibly important and beautiful. Mm, mm, I think so very much. And the interesting thing for me at the moment, Asia, around that topic is that because I see, I see devices, computers and televisions, 
on the one hand, I can see that it creates a short-sightedness in that we're looking at something very close to our faces and it creates a world of wonder behind it that we can't quite get into when we're sitting in our lounge rooms. But the other side of that is that for me watching films and silly shows like Gilligan's Island or whatever it was when I was a child in Australia, it created also a hunger for me to travel and for me to see what would it be like to be on a boat going to all these magical islands. And as soon as the show was over, I'd jump off the, you know, I'd run outside to play because I did have a garden and I'd be playing, you know, going across the ocean and getting landed in islands that I'd never been to before with coconut trees and you know, all of this sort of stuff. So I, I can see that, that as well as shutting down certain aspects of a child's mind, that media and film and um, connection to characters, role models through media opens up another world for us. So at the moment I'm looking at that and trying to play with that with online courses because, for example, my husband and I had had a community garden and we reached maybe 40 children in, in Mullaney during that six months to a year that we ran it. But I could see that it was it was hard work for the parents coming from all over the Sunshine Coast and the hinterland, driving the 30 or 40 Ks to our garden in order to get that education. And whereas you and I are sitting talking to each other right now, I'm not even sure what part of Australia you're in, but I feel connected to you and connected to whatever listeners are able to tune in even around the world it may be. Um, there's tremendous potential for us to break down so many barriers through this medium. Um, and that excites me. If, if I can open up that door to families and children so they can enter the magical garden of our character called Mr. Moggy and that his love and his connection to nature opens up a wonder in the mind of the children that they demand and request to then start their own growing experience in their own homes and families are able to support that without having to travel or research or do a lot of difficult stuff, then I feel we have started something very exciting. And I have great, a huge amount of gratitude to computers and televisions and this amazing world of connection that we have, um, that we've developed as a human species. I think it's tremendous. Yeah, I love what you're saying. I think that's a really important point. It made me really step back and think about, yes, you know, we do have these tools available to us, you know, the all the online digital things, and they really can be used in ways that actually foster connection, foster a sense of belonging. I mean, I know that just in my personal life, I have met many, many, many women online. I might not have met them in person, yet I might I might not never but the thing is is that I feel really connected I feel a lot for them I feel love I feel like I know them I get to know them even more as I stay online so it's it's an incredible thing a incredible tool as you said and I love what you're saying about you know physically is a lot of work to do you know bring people into the garden so just describe to us a little bit about how you're doing that education and that connection online as far as the gardening is concerned. And who is Mr. Mogi? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I haven't fully launched him yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I had been playing with Mr. Moggy for the last five years in my mind and, you know, actually manifesting him. So Moggy stands for Make Over Garden Inspiration. And that's how he got his name. So Mr. Moggy is my husband, whose, whose name is Modu. And uh, Mr. Moggy, he jumps on in and out of three-minute short free films that we've made. And they can be found on our, our Facebook group called Mr. Moggy Free Children's, um, free Children's Movies, I think they're called, or Garden Education. Mr. Moggy's Garden Free Films for Children is the name of the Facebook group. Sorry. And um, we've also got a website. And all 17 films that we've made so far are up there. Now, the beautiful thing is, Aisha, that I introduced these 17, well, I, I took them one at a time to the children at the kindergarten where I was working at the time on the Sunshine Coast. And the children connected, like I used to connect with Gilligan from Gilligan's Island. I felt he was like my buddy. They connected with this character, Mr. Moggy. He jumps on. He goes, oh, yeah, welcome to my garden. And he teaches them how to grow a plant or how to water a plant. But in every film, something funny happens. We have so many snakes in our garden and we have guinea fowl and we have all sorts of stuff and they come and they muck him around. So he ends up all the time having to resolve a garden problem that's, that can be quite dramatic, you know, a snake at his feet when he's sleeping and all sorts of silly things happen. And so he's entertaining and funny and the children really enjoyed, you know, what he put out then I invited them to ask him questions. And this was beautiful. I filmed them and they said, hello, Mr. Moggy, my name's William. I'm wondering how old are the trees? And I took it back to my husband and he said back, thank you, William, for that beautiful question. Let's all think about it. Hmm, yes, hoya, touche, now I see what you're thinking. Trees are as old as, you know, grandmothers. And then we made a film about grandmothers and trees and gave that back to William. And I showed it to the class and to William, for example. He was so thrilled. He felt he'd made this tremendous connection with this character. And then he said he wanted to become Mr. Moggy. So we started this very small group of um, garden warriors that took on the persona of Mr. Moggy. They'd all say hoya and jump out to the garden, go and dig and start planting. And I could see he'd become almost a superhero for them. So I invited the children then to start to become their own superhero and find what were their special gifts around gardening and nature and connection. And they've got so many things they can do. Three- and four-year-olds can fly out of trees if they want to in their minds. <laughs> I didn't encourage them unless we had a safety net, you know, a safety mat underneath. it. <laughs> but um, according to their, their mind, they were finding dinosaur bones and they were doing all sorts of stuff. You know, they were becoming worm experts and bug collectors and all sorts of things were coming out of the children. So I, I followed their lead into the course and have created a, a course that's full of song and dance and activities, art activities and gardening activities and Mr. Moggy's um, films essentially around their questions and what I'd like to do online is as soon as my you know we get a tribe or a community around Mr. Moggy that that I'm expecting to grow online I'm inviting children to then send their questions into him and then he can reply to their questions specifically and include them in his answer so the film shows Mr. Moggy saying thank you William and it shows William there online because parents can do this now we can film our kids with our iphone 
and send it through. And as long as people are okay with the permission and, you know, the safety around that with their children, which I think most people are nowadays on online education, um, we can actually make films that resolve a child's question and open up more questions for more children in the same way that we're doing as adults and the way that we're communicating online in our Facebook groups and so on. So I'm very excited that I, that I think I can actually personalise children's education um, and give them access to be able to create their own tribe online. This is I'm talking about kindergarten and preschool age children. Um, of course, their parents will need to be involved, but essentially the child's self-expression and their identity can begin to be formed in a bigger community than just their neighbourhood or their family or their kindy. This is exciting for me. This crosses all cultural back, you know, cultural biases, it, it opens up a tremendous world of connection, not only to nature, but also to, to the world of a childhood. It's very, very exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, I can hear your passion. And um, thank you so much for sharing it. It's gotten me excited. And um, I can just I have this sort of vision of children all over the world sharing like, from their particular area that maybe they grow these things because of the climate and that's what mm -hmm. they grow and then mm -hmm. another um, area you know children we showing what they grow around mm -hmm. where they live and mm -hmm. how beautiful is that and I also mm -hmm. feel like when you were talking about William and his question and then having that personal answer I think that you know not only just connection but the children feel that they are contributing something as well and mm. that is so inspiring that their minds become more curious and more questions arise and then they mm. feel like they're actually participating in something that's mm. really exciting and playful and fun and nourishing mm. to them. Mm. Mm. I think there's two things about that. On the first point that you just mentioned about children sharing their culture, mm. um, I, I remember also that it's not only their culture it's also their deeper thinking that exists inside their gardens and their nature. And particularly I want to refer to Japan in this. I had um, a kindergarten group of children that I used to walk up and down the mountains of Kyoto um, along the canal in Yamashina it was. And uh, we would walk along this beautiful canal um, and, and head off into the mountains up where the temples were almost every day, at least three times a week, I'd take these little youngsters walking so that they would get that connection to nature. And along the way, um, I would see these rocks and trees that were, they'd have bibs and aprons on them and little vases with flowers in front of some of them. And I think they were the Shinto shrines that were, you know, pocketing along the pathways and up towards the, the, um, the temples, correct me if I'm wrong, Aisha, because I'm not of that culture, but I did live there for a while. And it's paying homage to the mind that exists in every rock, every tree, every waterway. Um, there's a physical paying homage through these flowers and these bibbies and these, you know, aprons and the things that are, the, that are put on the natural elements there to show that they actually have a mind and that rock is really a person. It might look like a rock, but as soon as I tie an apron or a bibi around it, it shows that it's a, 
it's a mind living inside that rock that needs to be fed and needs to be clothed and needs to be loved. And a bunch of flowers laid at its feet, so to speak, shows that we respect it. And this kind of thinking I also saw again in Africa, that the African children, they all sit at the edge of a dam and there was such a beautiful pond in one of the villages. There was a crocodile living in it and the children knew the crocodile lived in it because every now and then the goats went missing and they, they showed me photos of the crocodile at different times coming out of this creek, I mean this dam. But these children, before they approached that dam to go fishing right on the edge, <laughs> They would clap their hands and they would sing to the water and sing to the crocodile and tell the crocodile they were coming and please don't eat me. Now, as far as I know, the history of that village, no child or any woman has ever been taken from the edge of that, of that lake, of that pond. And yet there are def- that crocodile definitely you know, lives in there and does take goats <laughs> to eat. So, I mean, they're very extreme things, but I saw that in many different countries that I went to where the cultures are connected to nature, not only for their food but also for their um, spiritual connection, there is tremendous paying of homage and respect before entering forests. The Congolese have these beautiful songs that the children would sing, the pygmy people, before they go in and out of the forest, that as I go into this forest today, I will see things I have never seen before. I will hear things I have never heard before and I will hold it as a moment in my mind and I will always remember this moment. It is so deep and so beautiful. Oh, I've got goosebumps all over. That is incredibly beautiful. It's so, so deep and beautiful. And this is the mind that I would like to explore as we go through the deeper and deeper layers of what edible gardens on the surface they feed us and they give us beautiful rainbow colored food that's nutritious and good for us but as we go lower layer upon layer through the different cultures and the different connections to our food and to nature we open a world that is very very deep it is our connection to the well if i look at it as stardust and all of us come from you know from the universe recycling itself you know through all these manifestations it connects us back to the very source to our very spiritual being in a very physical way um through those layers of deep understanding and deep wonder and deep thinking um so that was the first thing that i wanted to talk about about those deep connections it's not just about food and songs and dance it's about our spirit And the other thing I wanted to say in answer to your last comment was that when children ask questions, I wanted to create a pause in the film so where Mr. Moggy then asks them back, what do you think? You know, how, how old are the trees? William, what do you think about that? And he pauses for a minute and he sits and he says, let's think about this. And then he answers them and says, ah, hoya, touche. Now I hear you. You've said it, that this is the answer. What I would like to see eventually is that actually that pause lasts for the day or two that it takes for us to get the true answer from the child and the child's true answer. I could do this at kindergarten. I could say to them, okay, Mr. Moggy's agreed. He wants to know how old do you, he's answer, he wants to answer your question about the age of trees. But before he answers it, William, what do you think? And then William would say, well, I think they're older than my grandma. 
And then I would go back to Mr. Moggy and say, you know, it's really about the age and comparison. Let's look at that aspect. But I would like to see the courses, the, the question and answers run so that we actually run with the child's answer, no matter how strange or bizarre that is, that we, we look into what that answer, where it might come from culturally or myth, mythologically, and answer it from that perspective so the child gets uh, recognized for their contribution of thought, just as you were saying. You know, it's very important not only to hear their questions, but also hear their wondering, their, their deep thinking behind their questions. So I would like to investigate that through, through this gardening experience. It sounds very beautiful, and um, I might take the course myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Asha. Thank you. But um, yeah, can you just tell us a little bit? I don't know if the course, you're just working on it now. Is that correct? It's not complete yet or it's in the works? I have got the 17 films up that are for free and they're at a website called um, familyfeastival.com.au. So it's a place for families to feast and have fun. <laughs> So there's new films going up there all the time, and so they're, they're definitely accessible there. And as I said, I have another Facebook group, which is called Mr. Moggy's Garden, M-O-G-I, Mr. Moggy's Garden, uh, Free Films for Children, and, and I'm putting the films, and, I, and that's the place where I'd like inside that group for us to be able to start to interact around the children's questions and their deep wondering about nature and also practical things. But in the meantime... I'm just making a course now that explores every aspect of, of, of edible gardening and the nature that surrounds it, and that is in the pipeline. So I'm almost feeling ready to launch now, Aisha. I'm just working with Tash Corbin, <laughs> who I find a fantastic resource. Oh, and I am wonderful. just, oh, I am just, here's a, here's a plug for you, Tash, in case you ever get to hear this podcast, but I am absolutely loving what I am getting out of all of her freebies and her online. So I'm just doing Get With The Program right now um, to see if I can launch Mr. Moggy <laughs> in the next five weeks or even better still if I could do a really short startup and get him out um, around Christmas. This would be my aim. I'm, I'm looking at a launch on the 10th of January or prior to that for a very short launch. And I'm just trying to get my head around the ABCs of how to do that. So um, I don't know how you say watch this spot, but I guess if anybody's interested, um, just keep calling back into that face that face group um, that Facebook group, Mr. Moggy's Garden, mm. free film, films for children, and um, I'll be putting it up there first. Mm, thanks, Kate. And I, I'll you know I'll put those links on the show notes so that. People who are listening to the podcast, you can go to the show notes. The links will be there so you can go. You'll have all the information to research it further and to listen and to go. I highly recommend going to look at the videos. I've seen one and it's absolutely fantastic. It really blew my mind how good it was. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah, it was fun and playful. So mm. well done. And um, I just can imagine, I mean, I was delighted. So I can imagine children and for all the mums out there, really do go and explore that for your children and, and just give them, you know, show them the videos because they're, they're wonderful. You've done such an amazing job, Kate. Really mm, thank incredible. you. Incredible. 
It was one of my passions when I was in art school was photography and filmmaking and um, I just revisited that recently. I went back to TAFE for a year and had a look because, you know, the whole world's changed so much in the last 30 years when I was at school. <laughs> so I came back and had a look at it again. Um, it was great fun being in, in a class with teenagers and sort of seeing what they're creating and what they're doing. Oh, my goodness, it's so exciting what's possible nowadays in terms of communication and and putting your dreams into a, a medium that people can see what you're dreaming about, you know, is very, very exciting. Filmmaking is a great world if if we can access it. So, yeah, I'm finding that exciting. I love making films. I love making the Mr. Moggy movies, and I've got my daughter in on them as well. So she she's doing support work at the moment with song and dances, and there's one film there about how to grow butterflies that um, was a favourite at kindy. They just they loved her gentle way of explaining and showing how a caterpillar turns into a chrysalis and then we can feed, she's hand-feeding butterflies and explaining to children how they can do that at home. It's very exciting. <laughs> how beautiful. I, I love, you know, I can, you know, like I think what I'm, I'm getting excited, I can't even talk. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm excited because what I hear throughout your sharing is all those little threads that come together you know like you say oh I went to school 30 years ago and I studied photography and filmmaking and la 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 and sometimes we don't even know like we think we're going in one direction we don't even know the bigger picture and isn't it wonderful that when all these things start to weave together into something that you're really passionate and excited about and I just want to say that because for some of the listeners maybe you're in a place where you you don't know how this is all what you know what this is all about what you're doing maybe you feel a bit uh scared or vulnerable to to keep going and you know there's this thing about trusting and you know I think nature is a, a beautiful place to really absorb and feel the divine and the spirit of who we are and to really trust in that and to keep going mm, I would definitely agree with that I think the journey that's brought me to this place now, and I must say also, Aisha, I feel that business, the business world that I'm entering, and again, you know, thanks to Tash Corbin and her heartfelt, soul-driven entrepreneurs, and then all of the other women's groups that I've just come across now, that are connecting the mama, um, the mama, magnetic mamas that Leonie has. There's so many beautiful groups that I'm seeing that are around heart-centered soul-driven, you know, work. And having been meditator for now over 30 years, um, I can see the threads of, of sitting long ago on mountaintops in Japan and thinking about my little peeps in those days who were just little kindy children and what I'd get ready for them the next day um, in the creeks and the, the, the beautiful spaces in Japan, what I could teach them of nature back then. How now today, 30 years later, um, I'm still following that, that inspiration that those children gave me. They're all grown up now. I went back and visited them some years ago and found that they were all in their 20s. <laughs> um, but their, the memory of working with their young souls and their young minds and, their, and my connection to them is still inside me today. And it still influences what how I behave with my daughter and and my family coming together to nurture the young child that we see still, you know, in the world today. Um, 
any skills, anything that we gather along the way, they pop up continually through my life. And I feel, especially God-given gifts that, that each one of us has, um, that they're never to be wasted if we, as you said, trust in, trust in that universal mind that's guiding each one of us. Nothing's a waste in this world. We're all given sometimes the things that look like our worst faults or our worst weaknesses. I've seen them turn around inside my life where my sensitivity, which at times has been you know, a, a downfall in some situations, say socially in a large group, it's just overwhelming that I can feel so many things and get confused when I'm working with a small group of children sitting by a creek. And that same quality in me brings out their very essence and creates joy and harmony amongst that group. So no matter what, whoever we are, what I'm saying is that I agree 200% with you that the skills and even sometimes our weaknesses, they come through when we, we continually recall them and refine them. For me, they're, they're coming together to this absolute shining diamond with many, many facets and faces on it now that I, at times I get overwhelmed with it. It's so exciting. <laughs> and that's my new business. It's all these threads coming together and sparkling in that one jewel. It's just so, so beautiful. Beautiful. And on that sparkling note, um, we'll end the show. And I really deeply appreciate you coming on, Kate, and sharing your story and your enthusiasm, your passion, your inspiration and encouragement for all of us out there to reconnect deeply to not only the outer garden, but in a way our inner garden as well. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, thank you so much. Mm, you're very welcome, Aisha. Thank you. It's been beautiful. Beautiful to share all of these um, memories and these experiences with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to another episode today with Kate Cazzoni. Just love what she's creating for children, stimulating those young minds in such a fun, playful way, and really bringing together the diversity and bringing together the spirituality and connection with nature and gardening and all the fun, exciting things that she's exploring with children so I do recommend that you go to her website and have a look at them, especially if you're a mom and you have young ones at home. Just have a look at some of her videos. They're just wonderful, fun, brilliant, educational. So I thank her so much for sharing her story today on the show. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, Kate's also a member of the, the private Facebook group, Brilliant Misfits, where we continue to inspire, encourage, support each other. It's a really great place to get feedback, ask questions, get encouragement, um, have people help you to keep going with your creative visions and bringing them into the world where they belong. And until next week, as always, be true to you and be brilliant. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you all. Bye-bye. Thank you all for being here today. If you enjoyed the episode, please go to iTunes and give it a review and subscribe. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Brilliant Misfits. And for more information on living a creative life, www.asiakennedy.com.